Apologies in advance for the audio quality of today's sermon. Our normal main audio source this Sunday was unusable. This issue has been corrected moving forward. people are 
in their lives today. We can't just keep focusing on the glory days of the past when the church was popular in culture. The 50s, 60s, 70s, the decades when the church was at its height. We can't just stare into the future not knowing what to do. We've got to look at today and we've got to get that picture unfolded. To help us do that, to help us move toward our culture, not keep backing away from our culture, but move toward our culture with the gospel, the good news, the story of Jesus Christ. How do we move from this location into our culture? To help us with that, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 13, please. And follow as I read verses 11 through 14. Romans 13. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 11, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is all the more urgent for you to know how, the how late it is that the time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. From this passage, we glean three thoughts that are very important as the church looks into the culture surrounding us. These three points, they're simple. They are these. First of all, the passage is calling us to get up. Secondly, it's calling us to gear up. And then thirdly, the passage is saying, giddy up. Get up, gear up, and giddy up. Get up. Again, in verse 11, this is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. The time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. This term, wake up, simply means to cause someone who is asleep to be awake. This same term is used in Matthew 8, 25 in describing the scene that takes place in Matthew 25 
Jesus and some of his disciples are on a boat and they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. For whatever reason, Jesus is apart from the other disciples. He's described as being somewhere in the boat, but asleep. And so the disciples are out probably fishing and watching the weather when all of a sudden a big storm arises. The wind picks up, begins to blow hard. The waves are, are enlarging and begin to come into the boat and the disciples get scared and they panic and run to Jesus to try to wake him up to see what is happening, the storm in their lives. Now, again, Jesus was is described as being asleep. When they awaken him, he says to them, why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. He then rebuked the winds and created calm upon the sea. But a point we don't want to miss in this story and about this term, wake up or awaken, is the desperation involved. Now, <clears throat> describing the scene in Matthew 8, you know the disciples didn't go down there and say, Jesus, are you awake yet? Jesus, I don't want to scare you or startle you, but we'd like for you to wake up. You know they didn't do that, right? They ran in there screaming, help, help, son of God, awaken, we're about to drown. Kind of describes the way I used to have to get my son up for school. Good night. Yeah, I, I even used water a couple times, you know, water in a cup and put a little drop on his head. Get up, son. Get up, boy. Get up, boy. That's kind of what took place. The, the, the attitude in this whole environment is when you wake up, turn and look and see that your alarm clock didn't go off and you're late for work. We've all done that, right? And we know that sense of desperation to get up and get going that is built into this word so we understand the Matthew 8 passage where the disciples are in that sense of hurry and desperation to awaken Jesus but why would Paul use it with regard to us He's not just saying, church, people, tapping us on the ship. He's not just saying, hey, if you're asleep, wake up. He's not just saying, if you're glued to that seat, you need to get up. There is a desperation. There is a simple claiming. There is a bell ringing. There is a call to the church to awaken, to wake up. And it's not just wake up, but it's get up. Awaken sleeping church. Awaken with desperation and realize 
It goes on. To tell us that it's time. Let, let, let me back up. He, he identifies two things, two reasons why it's important that we that we get in this sense of the time is at hand. We've got to awaken. We've got to get up and we've got to go. He tells us two reasons why the time is at hand. The first is the indifference, the indictment of indifference. Verse 12, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. He's saying, he's saying, Look, the day is almost over. Night is almost here. And the implication is we've wasted our lives. That's the implication. The indictment of indifference. We've become so involved and so hooked into our lives today, so ingrained in the thought processes of this world that we've become indifferent to the things of God. And so he's saying, awaken, awaken. It is time to get up. And it's time to move past indifference. The second point he makes is our mediocrity of morality. In verses 13 and 14, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, or quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. He is saying not only have we gotten so ingrained in this world that we've become indifferent to the things of God, but he's also saying that our lives are lived in such darkness that the people in real darkness can't see the light in us. Because we're hiding in dark places away from the light of God. Because we are covering ourselves, hiding like Adam and Eve from the presence of God. He is saying, come out of the darkness. Come out of the darkness. And let the light of God shine in you, through you, that those in deep darkness will see. So he's saying the time is now for the church, for the people to awaken, to get up. And then he says, We've got to gear up. Again in verse 12. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. His point is, we cannot take these words lightly. His point is, this is not a game. His point is this. Getting up, getting up from being spiritually asleep. Stop being indifferent to the things of God. Start living an upright moral life. His point is 
This is spiritual warfare. Not a game. Spiritual warfare. Turn with me to Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 6. It's a passage that I know many of you <clears throat> are familiar with. Chapter 6, Ephesians, verses 10 through 18. The final word, Paul writes. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and puts on salvation as your helmet. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. What he is saying is this. If you and I will wake up from our spiritual slumber. If you and I will get up at the call of God, then you and I better get up, gear up, and put on the full armor of God. We've got to get up, come out of the slumber, out of the dark places we've been hiding, and walk in the light of God. And when we do, we will discover warfare at work in this world. Folks, we have to understand our enemy is not them out there. Our enemy is not the insane that are living their lives differently than we are. It is our enemy. It's not the government, the liberal thinking, and the direction. Our enemy is not out there in flesh and blood. We are to love them and share with them and persuade them and encourage them, but they are not the enemy. We have to get in mindset that the enemy is much more lethal. The enemy we face is a spiritual enemy. They are creatures of the darkness. They serve God but rebellion. Their fate is sealed. Their doom is sure. But Paul describes them as constantly bothering us. Constantly poking us. Constantly ribbing and jiving us. Setting traps trying to snare us. 
lying to us, deceiving us, hating us. Peter says that they attack us like a roaring lion after its prey, screaming through our circumstances and our thoughts, trying to scare us and cause us to live in fear. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, humble yourselves therefore in the mighty hand of God's so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. So if we are willing to get up, we need to take the step of hearing up so that we can face this world and so that we can get in. Admittedly, the term get up <laughs> Is not does not come from the letter of the text that we read, but I think it certainly addresses the spiritual urgency of this passage. Get up, gear up, and then get going. Chip Ingram is a preacher and uh, <coughs> author. He recently wrote an article called a call to the church to wake up. He's addressing the global pandemic and he writes these words. Could this crisis and tragedy be our chance? Could this be the mercy of God pleading and warning its wayward children to stop being conformed to this world but by but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you might test and experience what the perfect will of God is. Good, well-pleasing, and perfect. Can you imagine, he said, if the, the, the impact, if millions and millions upon us followers of Christ, it, let me start, can you imagine the impact if millions and millions of us followers of Christ in America would respond to this pandemic by forsaking our religiosity, our prejudice, our idols, and return to the first love of Jesus. We come to him with wholehearted devotion, unswerving obedience to his word. Can you imagine the millions of acts of service and ministry that would be happening every day in the workplace, in marriages, in homes as unbelievers witness and experience authentic love and observe lives of integrity in those who claim the name of Jesus? Can you imagine the social transformation as billions of dollars are released to meet the needs in local communities and support the poor and marginalized across the nation and world because believers gave their first and best finances to Jesus as an act of worship and love, not duty, obligation, or believing it will make them rich. Could it happen? Can it happen? Of course it can happen. It's happened before. It's happened at various times and windows throughout history, most often in times of crisis. Will it happen? Only you can decide that. It's not a group thing. It's not a club you join. It's an individual response. 
It requires each of us to take this time to get real with ourselves and to get honest with God and to turn from our wicked ways and receive God's forgiveness. To bask in his love and worship him and obey his word every day of the year with everyone we meet. It's Christians living like Christians every day in every way, everywhere for the glory of God and for the good of all mankind. If not now, then when? Folks, let me <clears throat> share my heart for just a moment. I know that my health has been a hindrance to me since I have been here. And <clears throat> I, I hate that. However, I am feeling better. My back is healing. And I am ready to go. I also want you to know that in the next uh, within a 10 day period I'm going to be meeting with a group in our church and our agenda is going to be to evaluate review all of our ministries all of our church outreach because folks our world has changed so much in these last 20 years. The, the internet, that, that has completely changed our world. And these last two years of global pandemic, that has tremendously changed our world. And so I've got to work with this group to see how we can look now to the future to create ministries and ways to reach people that that can help them today, that can reach them today. And as soon as we get this kernel uh, uh, actually in print, then we're going to share it with you and you are going to begin ministry. You are going to begin outreach. You are going to be that kind of believer. And God will use you. change this world and prayerfully use our church to be a lighthouse here. We're going to be working hard on that in the days to come. I'm excited about it. I look forward to it. I know that these steps are going to be real foundational and helpful for this church for years to come. Pray for me, for us. But I so look forward to that. I conclude with this passage. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. So be on guard. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert and clear-headed. God's call upon us this day. Bow your heads with me, please. <clears throat> Father, I pray that as we move forward, both as individuals and as a church family, 
as your call is upon us to awaken from our spiritual slumber, to stop having an indifferent attitude toward the things of God, and to stop living and hiding in dark places, but instead to gear up and then go. God, draw even this day Draw willingness from each one of us here that we will begin living our lives with fervency and desperation to move forward into this culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray in Christ's name.